the silver action. Now that has really got our attention and it should do. I'll go so far as to say the footprints we've been observing in the December silver futures contract is sinister. They now have to keep printing or we crash. We've got this ticking time bomb. Talking gold with the one and only Andrew McGuire. Welcome to Live from the Vault. Welcome to Life in the Vault. My name is Shane Moran and I'll be your host for this episode and from the entire Life from the Vault team worldwide. We want to thank you for your continued support. And as you can imagine, the community keeps growing thanks to you, our Life from the Vault community. And there's a lot to talk about during these historic times. And fear not because we have Andrew McGuire in the house and we'll be talking gold in a minute here. Uh, this is going to be an amazing episode, so fasten your seatbelt. You know, Life in the Vault gives you access to information that you just can't get anywhere else. You'll see that this episode is no exception. And with that, let's head over to the UK and Talking Gold with Andrew McGuire. Now, Andrew, we usually start off with a summary of, uh, of action that we've seen. In our last episode that we recorded on October 5th, where you drew attention to the massive disconnect between the house and the speculators. And I wanted to start off here by bringing us up to date on what's happening there. Yeah, Shane, great to see you again, my friend. Um, yeah, um, what drew our attention to this unprecedented imbalance between the house who loads the dice to always win, of course, and the hedge fund herd uh, was not just the outflows of the COMEX chips, you know, we call them chips, the open interest, we call it chips. Um, not only that starting to contract in size, um, but also the uh, reducing what we're saying, the market liquidity, the ability to actually make markets. Um, and, and actually, if we start to look at what's happening now, we're seeing two and three tick spreads between the bid and the ask. Now, if the, this is in the COMEX, this is supposed to be the most, uh, the most liquid global market, uh, futures market. And when we see ticks of two and three ticks in silver and gold, we know that the high frequency trading bots are busy and that they're sucking out any real liquidity that is left. So, I mean, but the scale of this massive disconnect really has our attention. That's something we have not evidenced since gold was priced at 680 bucks back in June 2008. We kind of alluded to it last time. And that was after directly after Lehman Brothers blew up and the UK turned on the global QE fire hose. Now, the current race into safe haven gold and silver mirrors what we evidenced between October 2008 when gold was at 680 bucks. And that was the commencement of a $1,240 three-year rally to the 30th of September, 2011. Now, I mean, and along the way, this was limited to some very shallow pullbacks into this race into real safe havens. And this was a period when um, so-called safe haven dollar strength was actually on a net basis concurrent to gold strength. Yes, there was, uh, there was uh, you know, ebbs and falls, but generally they both rose at the same time because there was a race into anything that was plausibly a safe haven. Now, there are some other parallels 
it was the Bank of England instigating QE in 2008 that triggered the race to turn on the global QE fire hose. Really, that was to bail out contagion relating to the Lehman collapse. So when the Bank of England stepped in to buy gilts just two weeks ago to rescue the globally interconnected UK pension system, there is very little doubt that this bond market contagion tail risk, uh, very little doubt that it didn't get there at the Fed's attention. Now, we'll look at the, 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 the current Credit Suisse Lehman parallel shortly, because there is one. And we want to keep our focus directly on gold and silver. So while the current strong dollar bond market contagion is very slightly different, the inputs are slightly different. It was nevertheless a very similar paper to physical structural disconnect when we saw 5,000 Lehman employees walking out carrying cardboard boxes. Do you remember this? Caught, and then that really caught the naked short sellers' attention. And when they tried to cover, they really were covering into a bid-only market. And this time around, the unprecedented paper-to-physical structural imbalance hits the markets head-on into a global scramble to rein in inflation. And with QE once again trial ballooned in the UK, this bond market contagion will ultimately bleed through to Europe, Asia and the US, which is not impervious to this, where we anticipate QE and rate hikes to coexist as the potential for a global bond market contagion spreads globally. All right. Now, Andrew, it would appear that too few lessons have been learned since you met with the Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey way back in 2019 and following your warnings in the House of Commons that these too big to, to fail banks that were bailed out in 2008 would return to the spigot with their hands out again. Now, what, what are you seeing right here in, in 2022? Yeah, Shane, and here we are again with a gold price disconnect. Uh, I mean, just as another black swan flies into land. Now, to assess what we're seeing right now, let's step through the action following last week's CPI, the inflation print, uh, and that was a huge beat. Um, as it assists us in kind of smoothing out the downstream of the chart chatter, that we are evidencing. And that gives us an idea, we're stepping back to give us a better assessment of what to expect as we move into November options expiry, which is next week on this 26th of October, one week from today, which is going to be followed by delivery and rollover of the futures contracts into the December contract on Monday, the 31st of October. Now it's important to, to really look at this because the December contract is the largest delivery contract of the year and the only contract where you have both gold and silver futures expiring together, the only one of the year. And it also is the culmination of forward bets made a year ago and, and really leaving what we can see now, the specs, extremely wrong-footed. Now, the reason we need to focus on monthly options expiries is because it provides us um, a, a view 
of the pit manager's footprints into the deliberately opaque smoke and mirrors world of the comex. And we will look at the structural similarities shortly, but let's look at what we are actually seeing right now, because that's where most of the questions are coming from. And into this CPI inflation print last week's, um, and that was, we saw the usual synthetic comex driven volatility, even though most people would actually on the sidelines, not so in the comex, it was once again driven by the hedge fund herd racing from a short squeezed dollar pillar to a, to, a, to a, a dollar post, pillar to post, with global bond markets in complete disarray following the Bank of England's stumble and Fed uh, footprints of a multi-billion dollar Swiss bank bailout. You only have to look. That's related to Credit Suisse. That's underway. Hedge funds had been betting into this on a Fed pivot and a, and, a, and a CPI miss. In other words, they were betting it was going to be a lower inflation print. But that hopium turned into a cold turkey surprise. And the larger than forecast, it was an 8.2% CPI print, was by no coincidence accompanied by a slew of hawkish Fed plate spinners dashing any hopes of a Fed pivot I mean, these guys are boxed in. Fed insiders and the usual suspects will have known the CPI number was going to be a beat and uh, and set up accordingly for that. And if there's any doubt of that, you only have to look at uh, how many Fed uh, insiders and, and Fed representatives are actually trading into information like this. There's more and more and more of them uh, being exposed at the moment now. And that includes Powell in the past. Now, the toxic cocktail of the beat of this inflation beat and the deliberately spun Fed hawkishness that accompanied it triggered headline algos to knee jerk buy the dollar, sell stocks, sell bonds, silver, gold. I mean, however, outside the casino in the physical markets, the reality of the Fed's fast approaching dilemma is already being factored in, significantly ramping up both physical gold demand and premiums, causing a massive arbitrable disconnect. Now, given the massive disconnect between the COMEX-centric selling into extremely strong physical demand, liquidity providers inside, uh, uh, report insiders will ultimately be forced to be on the bid side, which should equate to them ringing the register on these extremely disconnected trades. Now, just for the record, I have never in the entire history of trading, in the last 40, 50 years, I've never seen a 13 to $15 per ounce wholesale kilo bar premium in Dubai before. Never happened, especially as this trade largely feeds into the Indian market. And given this bullion is largely feeding into the Indian market, it's reducing availability in other jurisdictions. Now, European Swiss refiners are not accepting any silver orders so they can better utilize the energy caps they're imposed, that have been imposed upon them to refine gold. However, these caps also reduce gold refining capacity and the current price supply disconnect is reaching a breaking point and the price disconnect issue revolves around the high-frequency trading algos that we draw attention, to, draw attention to repeatedly, which are rigged to tick for tick, inversely correlate a 
dollar higher lower move against the uh, gold and silver futures. Now, given the dollar index has been driven to over 20 year highs, this synthetic algo correlation has resulted in the current massive paper to physical disconnect. This is going on inside the, 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 the oxygen walls of the casino while the market making insiders are, who have exposure to the outside of the casino are on the long side of each and every single gold and silver sell order. And then they're ringing the register when the dollar moves lower on these positions. Now the tight for supply physical markets are turning to the COMEX to drain supply. Go figure. And therein lays the COMEX's Achilles heel. And the drain of paper market liquidity is going to ultimately result in a huge bid only upside air pocket at some point very soon, very similar to 2008. Hence, while we stack from a trading perspective, and that's what a lot of people want to know, um, we're willing to add, we're wait, wait, hold a little dry powder and add in some fresh positions. Usually when a buy stop is when we, we buy after it's recovered a pivot that is usually a bearish pivot. So obviously on the way down, catching a falling knife, very difficult. But on the way back up, once, you know, we, we, we can figure out where these buy stops. And as soon as that signal is in, we're going to actually start getting very, very, very long uh, in uh, against the specs. But add some stack. I mean, as stackers unite, come on. This is there's no need to wait. This is this is a bargain territory. Um, so likely, where do we see this? It's a question. Well, when we're going to see this, I figure we'll see this next into next week's options expiry um, with the structure very, very similar to what we saw at the end of September. And likely the option expiry on the 26th or the first notice day of next Friday on the 28th will be the point. So, and if you recall, in our last episode, we drew attention to the massive imbalance between the spec held October options, puts and calls, i.e. those speculators that had bet uh, for a lower price uh, and had bet against a higher price and these positions, they were so imbalanced that they became the trigger point um, into first notice. That's why we're talking about first notice now is the, the time when you have to take a, 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 a leverage contract where you pay just a few thousand dollars, like eight, ten thousand dollars or less uh, to control a contract instead of paying up for the full value of that contract. So you borrowed from the house, essentially. So. So really, when we get to first notice, clearly a speculator is not going to pay for it all. They're going to either capitulate or roll out. So when we see this imbalance um, and, and uh, then we're going to see so what we actually saw, something very similar to, to what we saw in, in September when it expired. Now, please look back at our last episode where we explained why this event triggered the house to ring the register, why they had to. Now, we knew these undeliverable bets were held by the blinkered hedge fund herd and they had no ability to finance these bets and make a stand. Now, this provided us the, the clue that the house was going to commence. Uh, uh, what we anticipated was going to be a, a, a huge rinse. In fact, it, it, it rolled out into two separate rinses against the specs. 
and that pullbacks from there on would be shallower as the house is already sitting on an unprecedented large structural long position against these specs. But the important takeaway from this, Shane, is that the last two weeks of paper-driven action since our last episode has once again set up these specs into exactly the same structural naked short gold and silver positions against the house. Who's going to win here? Given the house is exposed to an unprecedentedly tight for supply, strong premium physical market in both gold and silver, they will have to begin ringing the register before the massive disconnect drains. And if you remember, we talked about what an EFP is. It is simply the conduit between the COMEX and a deliverable over-the-counter contract. Before this conduit drains out of the COMEX, which is, again, we talked to this about, I talked about this as the Achilles heel, as it drains out um, uh, contracts from the COMEX into a market that's desperately short of physical. Now, the current dollar short squeeze has is the result of really sustained Fed hawkish rhetoric, which following this hopium pivot disappointment, which really just caused the last sell-off, has been sufficient to once more trigger algos to drive tick for tick naked short selling in gold and silver futures further enriching the house to offset these sell orders one-to-one -one with long. So, in other words, they bet short, they bet long. But, this can, but, but as we can see outside the casino walls, the physical global market shortages are attracting buyers and shortages triggering EFP outflows, which is in turn sucking out COMEX liquidity, which will ultimately force the house to race to close this EFP back door. And while stack stackers and long-term investors are already alchemizing this ridiculously disconnected low bullion price in both gold and silver to add fresh trading tranches, as I say, we've been waiting for the carry-through momentum, muscle-driven, uh, muscle-memory-driven sell-the-rally momentum to be arrested. Now, that's coming very close. And while we anticipate inversely correlated spec algos to be drawn in to continue to naked short gold and silver into these dollar rallies and we're seeing another one today they will also realize that on the other side of the trade the house sits on an unprecedentedly large structural long position against the specs that will just like the last financial crisis ultimately turn into a bid only market that's why the insiders are getting long and that's partly evident in the extremely stale dated COT report. We talk about the COT report. What a farce that is. Delayed far too long for it to be of any value, nor does it relate to the other side of the trade in the 10 times larger market, over-the-counter markets. But in the larger picture, I mean, just give us a clue. In the larger picture, the last time we evidenced anything close to such a bullish house structure was as I say, at the 2008 upside inflection point. And as was seen in 2008, we can once again expect safe haven gold and silver to arise alongside safe haven dollar inflows. Now, backing this up, liquidity providers also report the strongest physical market since 2008, evidencing off the scale German, Asian, Chinese gold demand. And we've, as we've just illustrated, evidencing the largest premiums over spot this year 
and in history as far as Dubai is concerned. And this will keep insiders exposed to the physical market one-to-one -one long against the spec sellers. So there is some constraints here. The bottom line, following the heavy third quarter, we can expect dip buyers, a dip buyer's market to ultimately return into this very tight for supply physical market in gold and silver during this fourth quarter. Premiums are on a scale not seen since early COVID shortages triggered an EFP implosion. You remember, we've covered that so many times. This is a reason for the house insiders to ring the register on massive speculator-held, paper-held imbalances. Now, really just cutting to the quick, it, it makes more sense to understand that the relentless Fed-driven short squeeze risks triggering a derivative implosion. Dollar trades by foreign banks force them to actually hedge these positions in their local currencies. And this local currency exposure means shorting the dollar. And the resulting dollar short squeeze is crippling these trades and ultimately weakening global economies. Something has to be addressed here. Credit Suisse is just the tip of the Lehman-like iceberg, which unless the dollar short squeeze is reversed and the QE fire hose is turned back on to support the bond markets, global markets are going to implode. Either way, this is a reason to attract safe haven central bank and sovereign physical demand, which we are evidencing, which is actually evidence. We are evidencing central bank and sovereigns buying gold into this disconnect. It's only this wall of paper selling in this siloed little world of the casino. And as we've just alluded to, there are credible rumors that Credit Suisse has hit its Lehman moment and is being secretly bailed out by the Fed and the Bank of International Settlements, which is reported to be related to deeply underwater derivative positions that need to be bailed out. The contagion is enormous. Calls to, that we've made and our liquidity providers have made to Credit Suisse have elicited no denials. If true, this is a deja vu moment, which will not just force the end of quantitative tightening and coupled with bank credit contraction and the repo market being stressed, it's going to force the instigation of QE again. This will be dollar bearish ultimately and bullish for the precious metals as we progress through the fourth quarter. So once markets wake up to this crisis to save face, the Fed will almost certainly follow through with smaller rate hikes to enable them to spin. They're still fighting inflation, but the market is already sniffing out. The Fed has to ultimately pivot. Now, Andrew, just before we started recording uh, today, this episode, you, you had outlined some very odd action in silver. And can you share with our subscribers to our community what you're seeing here? Yes, Shane, I was waiting for your silver question, my friend. The silver action. Now that has really got our attention and it should do. I'll go so far as to say the footprints we've been observing in the December silver futures contract is sinister. There is no other word for it. There is no better word to describe the deeply counterintuitive footprints we've been observing now. As we identified last time, into the extremely uh, counterintuitive wall of naked short Comex-centric supply coming in, 
with evidence a clear orchestrated agenda, which given the size of the footprints that we see on a day-to-day -day basis and the blatantly obvious disconnect between the global wholesale market shortages, it has to relate to the authorized, uh, the, authorized the APs, the authorized participants, which basically are the, are the gatekeepers for the SLV, caught naked short 1,800 tonnes of SLV. Now, we, we, you're going to see something soon that we've created. Um, really, the team have created a fantastic um, illustration of why SLV and GLD are purely illusions. Now, look, this wildly divergent COMEX-centric bid-pulling uh, footprints that we've been seeing, and this is what we've seen you clearly by seeing these spreads, you're seeing the bid pulling at certain points. It has to be officially sanctioned. It is so obvious. There is no other possible explanation because as far as silver is concerned, the massive over-leveraged, over over-the-counter silver derivatives position that backs up um, uh, the, the 1,800 tons of SLV shorts has to be un unwound in a hurry. Hence, the officially sanctioned race by insiders to cover as many of these SLV shorts, it's clearly underway. I think around 300 tons were short covered into the September lows. So and we suspect at the end of this week, we reduced to around about 1,000 tons, probably. That's what we're seeing. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised to see that. These efforts to cover are hampered by large EFP demand trying to address vapor thin physical supply. The algos are targeting every single ounce they can right now. And while they, just while they can, while they can, when they can, from naked short specs, which really has now driven the largest physical to paper disconnect since the 2008 silver futures $8.50 lows, which ultimately sparked a 40, over $40 move into the 1st of, of May 2011. I raise this now because back in 2008, we were in exactly the same position here where everyone was bearish. Now, following conversations with liquidity providers and, um, and refiners, really, have no, the refiners have no energy bandwidth left to take fresh silver orders. They're, I mean, you have to underscore this. They will not take another order. The illiquid bid pulling conditions has driven a divergence that have European refiners literally scratching their heads in disbelief of the resulting undeliverable paper price that sets the global spot, uh, spot silver price. There's no silver there available at that price. The physical shortages and extremely large premiums to obtain what little available meets head on is actually meeting head on with a tidal wave of selling within this casino that was sufficient last week to breach $19, the hard test of $18 um, th th last week and on Friday. Now we still see the September 1st low probably is in. I mean, it should be in simply on, on the basis that uh, I think we can't push it that any further. Since then, we've experienced a, ser a series of sell-offs that have made slightly higher lows. So really, that is important. Now, the clear illiquid market maker bid pulling into the CPI sell-off, and again this week, drove silver futures into an extremely actionable, remember we talked about this, 
a nine cent backwardation to spot. Again, triggering um, competitive buying has once again opened the EFP demand into a physical vacuum. This is a backdoor to take what the, what, it, what the COMEX has and that what they have is contracting rapidly. And this is going to be a problem for insiders as EFPs and physical loadouts are now ramping up to drain COMEX open interest to unsustainable levels. Now, we've spoken to our Indian contacts, the ones that we drew attention to and revealed last time, who are actively capitalizing on this risk-free arbitrage trade. But the wall of induced paper market selling has tricked in the same number of naked short speculators as just before the upside air pockets were tripped, as I said, on the 28th of September. Now, while insiders are one-to-one -one long against the specs, as this covers their paper market exposure, one-to-one, -one, when they ring the register, then, then clearly that's been squared, but it still exposes them to large EFP outflows and risks of a direct loadout, something they don't want to see. Andrew, you also mentioned that energy caps in Europe are restricting refiners' capacity. Can you elaborate on how this affects the market? Yeah, Shane, if you add into the mix, the energy-related European refiner constraints are as yet completely unfactored into supply demand. And while for gold, this shortfall of production capacity into an overhang of physical orders is not on the scale evidenced since in March 2020, when refiners were completely shut down, energy-intensive silver refining has completely been shut down in Europe. And while gold is still being refined, at the margin, this constraint of physical supply runs into a very strong for demand, tight for supply physical market. No one has yet connected the dots between the refiners and the global energy shortages. The energy caps are now being imposed upon most of Europe is limiting refiners' ability to produce bullion. Shane, it escapes the naked short sellers that outside the casino, higher energy intensive silver has been completely halted by most refiners. It makes sense. They make more money by refining gold and they're going to use any bandwidth capacity to do so. And we'll look at that more closely in a minute. But this brings us to the widening paper to physical disconnect following this CPI beat. Blinkered to these unfactor physical supply constraints, it opens up the incentive for global markets to EFP underpriced COMEX futures contracts for delivery. The hedge fund speculator heard running amok in the paper market added to their short bets directly after the CPA headline beat and are now overloaded and are tick for tick adding naked short gold and silver bets again today against the house into every single um, dollar index uptick. Furthermore, these physical supply constraints in both gold and silver present an unfactored tail risk for the COMEX-centric speculators structured naked short against the house in deeply oversold conditions. They have no view of this. We need to separate gold here because there are some fresh bullish physical drivers and unlike the March 2020 refiner supply constraints, spot gold is now don't forget, Basel III NSFR compliant. It wasn't back in March 2020. In fact, it was that break that actually forced Basel III regulations to be imposed. And while the general markets continue to push 
the implementation dates of various Basel III components, um, not for gold. Following the March 20 EFP gold market blow-up that overnight almost took down all the too-big-to-fail LBMA banks backing up a 70 trillion a year gold derivative market, we evidenced the BIS exiting their gold derivative exposure, but with the agent banks still exposed to decade-old accrued derivative exposure, the NSFRs, the net stable funding ratios, had to be implemented to provide time to exit deliverable, the deliverable derivative market exposure. Sorry if I'm getting technical here, but it's important to understand. Consequently, liquidity providers must, and I mean in capitals, must now have physical to deliver against spot gold positions. This will, in capitals, force the gold price to rise into, into far less refiner supply. That's where we are right now. And while with global um, physical um, exchanges now really competing with this entire LBMA CME alliance, we see this outflow of paper market liquidity forcing this unholy alliance to fold paper positions, which are increasingly being capitalized on by the, uh, the, the liquid, the much more liquid global physical exchanges. And with first-tier market-making banks and the House, they understand this. Speculators do not. And so, because, because the House insiders are permitted to have a foot in both the COMEX and the 10 times larger NSFR-compliant markets. So the specs fail to realise they're being set up as patsies, unaware that fresh physical discipline is shortening the paper to physical runway that will, by the end of this quarter, trigger a large reset rally that will have to marry up to the Basel III NSFR-compliant spot gold markets. Now, Andrew, you also mentioned that silver is not yet Basel III compliant, yet you feel confident that silver is going to break free of the paper chains. Can you explain more? Yeah, Shane. While silver does not have the same NSFR attributes and the House insiders can stretch paper market leverage to extremes, there's two things that rail against them. One, European refiners are now being metered into energy supply constraints that have literally halted production of energy intensive silver, refining to accommodate really sufficient bandwidth to refine more profitable gold. And the second issue uh, the other issue exposing the naked short sellers to unfactored tail risk is the freshly identified predatory money which is now locked in to the risk-free opportunities between the COMEX and the 10 times larger, more liquid over-the-counter markets. And unlike specs, this predatory money is tailgating the house. This competing money has a foot firmly planted in both markets too. And now that they have been woken up to the, the arbitrable disconnects, this competing money is, is not going to go away. In fact, while this group of traders are initially agnostic to price, we've talked about this before, they're just closing the spreads, uh, and, but really after a closer look at the structural imbalances, which are becoming even more clearer now, it is also realized that the naked short SLV positions have potential. Now, the 1,800 tons of SLV shorts are vulnerable to be targeted and could lay authorized participants open to a nickel-like short squeeze. I don't say that lightly. The over-the-counter physical delivery market is by design 
unavailable to the massive herd of hedge fund specs siloed inside this casino. So their ultimate, to their ultimate detriment, it is ignored. And while we fully anticipate gold and silver upside gap closes into, as we talked about it, we're expecting into the end of the quarter, the March 2000s and the 27s in silver, uh, we expect those, those gaps to get closed as these specs are simply rinsed out, which leaves them neutral, doesn't leave them long. Um, we must anticipate some consolidative action along the way because muscle memory has them selling rallies. And while physical markets are, are in such tight, strong demand, we see the paper market stick handlers morphing into a buy the dip market as the extremely tight physical market forces inside us to begin to ring the register on naked short spec market conditions. So while the speculators have tricked, been tricked into one-to-one -one selling silver warrants into the, each tick of the rising dollar index, it is clearly JP Morgan, it's City, it's Bank of America, and at least one other market uh, authorized participant is deliberately withdrawing liquidity from December, December silver in a clear house effort to cover as many of the remaining, probably over a thousand tons still, of SLV shorts in a hurry. This has created an unprecedented paper to physical disconnect that has to imminently blow to the upside. This is a race to cover. And also not factored into the strong dollar action is that the strong CPI print that spiked it higher was the last inflationary report, report before the midterms. And the chances of the Democrats losing control of Congress poses another tail risk for this extremely frothy dollar. Keep that in mind. And add in that the fact that the bond market contagion concerns are also now front and center and stealthy central bank bailouts are evident. Credit Suisse, the derivative contagion emanating from Credit Suisse is still yet to become mainstream media news. And bottom line, these immediate inputs drive market uncertainty, which will attract strong safe haven flows into gold and silver, both of which are as deeply oversold as the dollar is overbought. Now, Andrew, you've also mentioned that the stale dated COT report is used as a tool to wrong foot traders. Now, we've had a lot of subscribers and a lot of people in our communities are asking questions around this topic. Can you revisit this, please? Yeah, happy to do it. And it's a really, really good point. Uh, if there was ever any doubt, though, that this game is rigged in favor of the house, ask yourself one question. Why the pit managers, which is the authorized market making bullion banks, which unlike the captive casino crowd have footprints in both the COMEX and the over-the-counter global markets, why are they allowed to deliberately withhold reporting to the regulators, their long or short positioning against the customers for a full three days, despite the fact this electronically captured data is in the hands of market-making members of the exchange every single day. They have it, you don't. And as long-time members know, prior to 2008, the Tokyo Commodity Exchange, which is the TOCOM, as it's called, used to report granular trading detail of all the various bullion banks, their daily gold and silver positions, changes. This is how our, this is how our dear friend and now deceased GATA director, Adrian Douglas, 
identify Goldman Sachs had short covered, think about this, in size, 53,000 net short TOCOM futures contracts against gold in the two-year period from March 2006 through November 2008, during this exact two-year period where Goldman Sachs had been advising clients to heavily short gold. Now, not only had this daily information captured data proved that Goldman Sachs was rinsing its Muppet clients to the advantage of their own good book, but while encouraging their clients, and, and they were encouraging their clients to actually sell gold, they had they didn't just cover all of these shorts, but they managed to actually move net long in that sole period. And not only did this embarrass, was this an embarrassment, but the information we derived from the daily TOCOM closes reflected exactly what these same bullion bank actors were doing under the radar of the COMEX. Now we had s several years of very easing, easy trading. This was a level playing field to anyone that wanted to dig into the detail. And as we knew, because we knew before each, the start of each trading day, exactly how the cartel banks were positioning down to a single contract and who they had bet long or short against. Now this window provided the exact point the insider run CME wash and rinse cycles were being implemented. By drawing public attention to these footprints, these same CME actors making COMEX markets pressured TOCOM to stop reporting this daily data. But two things come out of this. Firstly, it proves that electronic daily reporting is possible. It was possible back then. It's possible back in 2008. It was possible before then. And it was possible to print at the end of each day and that the COT report it just proves that it's deliberately withheld, but also proves officials have sanctioned insiders to operate under the radar. And subsequently, subsequent to this TOCOM report being slammed shut, the bank participation report, the COT report, the OCC reports, anything that provided evidence, transparency was removed, deliberately removed. Sufficient GOFO, SIFO dates, was, uh, data was withheld. Anything that provided transparency, you have to answer yourself why, notwithstanding, because they don't want a level playing field, notwithstanding that the COT report does not capture any of the related over-the-counter positions outside the casino, the delayed data in the COT report you that, that we refer to is deliberately snapshotted on a Tuesday to as best as possible misrepresent what's going to be published on a Friday. Yet, if you look at any single chart, in every single instance, including today, without exception, all the large price moves occur after the stale snapshot is taken. The COT report is a tool for the house insiders to wrong foot as many participants as possible. Look, it's not rocket science. If I see the house building up a short or long position against the specs at the end of each day, I can react in real time. I know that 95% of the time the house will ultimately win against the specs who borrowed chips from the house. So aside from utilizing valuable propriety wholesale data, what do we have to work with is the question. What we have to work with is we have to connect the dots. We have to do a little homework ourselves and view and, and look at a view into the wholesale markets, which helps us to expose the house footprints in the unreported 10 times larger 
connected delivery markets. Now, this is a facility deliberately made unavailable to US-centric hedge fund herd, but the option structure does provide us a monthly view of these deliberately obscure footprints. And just like the specs were set up uh, by the House in September, our take is that the House is better set up for, is, is even better set up for November. So as I would always end with, as we always end with, how much physical do we own, guys? All right, there you have it. Thank you, Andrew McGuire, Talking Gold. Now, remember to our Live from the Vault community, buy physical, buy physical, buy physical, and understand the difference between what Andy affectionately calls the casino, paper, and gold markets and the actual physical gold and silver markets. They're not the same. Don't be fooled. And there you have it. That's all we have for you today on another fascinating episode of Live from the Vault. Please help us spread the word about this channel by hitting that like button, by sharing, by subscribing, and click on the bell if you'd like to be notified as each episode goes live. And with that, we'll see you next time right here on Live from the Vault. See you then.